0: I'm so thankful you all are here this morning. I'm excited about this class. I've uh, uh, I've prepared to teach today. Uh, I always prepare, um, but uh, uh, this class, as I was preparing it, a number of you came to mind, and in fact, I dare say all of you came to mind, but some of you as groups and some of you as individuals. Uh, And a number of the individuals I was thinking about this week are here today. It does me honor that you would come spend this time with me in the Word of God. The bigger groups that are also here include a number of you who uh, have been out of town and are back. A number of you who are just here for the summer or might be visiting. A number of you who are the stalwarts. Did you know statistically 30% of you show up almost every Sunday statistically 30 percent of you show up almost every other Sunday and statistically 30 percent of you are good about once to twice a month depending upon the month so whichever group you're in I'm really thankful you're here and uh uh yeah man this is great. well you're one of the you're always here but oh the other 10 percent Mr. Math up here on the front seat (laughs) the other 10% are none of the above Uh, um. so with all of that being said uh, we've been looking at an idea of approaching the Bible through hermeneutics is a loose way of using the, the word hermeneutic it's not quite totally on target with the way it might be used theologically by some but I still consider it a legitimate way of using it the idea of understanding some biblical text in light of themes or other biblical texts and your assignment this week was to think about the biblical themes of sacrifice and of time now I got some good emails about this and uh, evidently since Dale emails me his homework each week it's starting to catch on Dieter emailed me his homework this week as well uh, Dieter a plus uh, did real good and uh, I'm thankful that you guys are tuning in to the degree you can now having said that I don't have time to do time this week so we won't be getting to that because I've spent too much of my work looking at sacrifice and even with the time I've spent we could do a a a semester we could do three months on sacrifice alone the theme and the the content in the Bible of sacrifice but we're not going to today we're going to do a a 30,000 foot overview zooming down periodically to take a close-up look so if the Bible is a library which it is A library of 66 books and as we've discussed those books are divided up 39 are in the Old Testament 27 are in the New Testament Uh, when we think through that there's something that happens in the human brain that I want you to be aware of many of us think that whatever happens in our brain is just logical processing of our conscious thoughts what science has uncovered and this is not like oh that's fringe science no 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 this is like science 101 mainstream how the brain works the brain takes a lot of shortcuts and a lot of what the brain does is not conscious but is subconscious a lot of the workings of the brain are things that we're not thinking about we're just doing so for example when you walk you don't think probably I need to shift my weight to my left foot because I'm going to then use my quads and my glutes to lift up my right foot and then I'm going to start leaning forward on my left toe so that my right foot comes down to the ground and as it does so I'm shifting my weight to that foot moving to the ball of my foot on my left you, know, you, you just walk. And all that stuff's happening just in your brain without you thinking about it sometimes the same is true when you're driving and someone pulls out in front of you and your foot's on the brake or moving to the brake before you have time to realize that idiot Mark Lanier is pulling out in front of me (laughs) well among the shortcuts that the brain takes among the thinking mechanisms of the human brain is one that is called association, and a lot of social scientists and psycho- social psycho- or psychologists and, so- and 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 neurologists and others uh, put a label on this bias. Not bias in the sense that we might all often think of bias, but it just means it's something your brain is doing automatically without you consciously necessarily being aware of it you might be but but it's it's just a it's a built-in shortcut heuristics is another word that's used by a lot of the scholars for this but the idea is pretty simple the idea is that our brains automatically associate one thing with another it's just what they do and so we can use a word and that word will call to mind other words And it may call to mind memories and emotions even bodily reactions with those other words there is a word that we are not allowed to use in my house we're just not you cannot say this word in my house if you do you will be on Becky's bad list and she doesn't have a lot of people on her bad list. This is one of the few things that will move you straight to it. Now, my wife's sitting right over there. Becky, I'm gonna ask you to put your hands over your ears and not to listen while I say this word. Because if I say the word cockroach at home, <laughs> she will have a visceral bodily reaction to it, she will have an emotional response just to that word. Sharon's the same way I, I I'm I, th- it's just there words will call this a bit, and a lot of that is because the structure of the brain is likened to a bowl of ice cream by one neurology textbook it's a the brain is like an ice cream scoop in a bowl and if you pour hot fudge sauce over it it won't perfectly coat The ice cream it'll find the little rivulets and channels and grooves and go into those and words are the same way so when you hear a word or when you see an image it will trigger in your brain even unconsciously other words and images that are associated with it this has deep ramifications and the key to this is understanding that often in fact most of the time this is hidden this is not something that happens consciously and it happens with colors and you can say well consciously I realize this but a lot of you will have looked at this and thought girl boy just because of the colors and your brain will associate pink with girl and blue with boy because it happens with color A few of you are alive to remember this the rest of you may have read this in history but we used to have a president named Jimmy Carter when Jimmy Carter ran for president it was in a post Nixon Watergate era and Jimmy Carter found a country that was stagnated, stagnating in its um, politics and in, in seeming to be stagnated even in its economy and seeming to be stagnated in so many different things. So he, as a politician running for the President of the United States, chose green for his color because of the association of go. Go with Jimmy Carter. That's a green light. Go with Jimmy Carter. Now he wins that election, but then four years later, the economy's not doing great, and America has been embarrassed on the world's stage because of the, the capture in Iran of the hostages and the embassy. The attempted uh, uh, rescue by Carter didn't work, as the helicopters, deep six, and so there's an embarrassment of the United States that's perceived among the public so Jimmy Carter's green campaign of go with Jimmy fell to a pro patriotic let's build America red white and blue Ronald Reagan and the colors were associated with the ideas and the colors were not accidental they were chosen By each camp because they understood the brain will make an association with those colors it also happens with words and ideas here's your test you may be saying how is this Bible study oh this is Bible study just hang on here's your test Linda's a 31 year old she's single she's outspoken and she's very bright she majored in philosophy as a student she was deeply concerned with issues of discrimination and social justice and she also participated in anti-nuclear demonstrations now a huge study group was given that statement about Linda and they were asked about eight possible futures for her and they were to write down which one they thought was most likely going to be her future and among those eight choices were these two. She might be a bank teller. She might be a bank teller and active in the feminist movement. Did you know that more people chose bank teller and activist in the feminist movement than, than bank teller? And maybe you did. Did, you, did anybody in here choose that? Okay, a lot of you did. I don't want to make you feel stupid. But that's, that's, that's the gut reaction off of association. That's not a rational reaction. Do you know why? Because this group is bigger than this group. Every bank teller who's active in the feminist movements included automatically in this group. So if she's in this group, she's automatically in this group but this group will include more. So it's much more likely she's in this group than just a subset of that group but that's the power of association and association works with names studies have shown it works with names and titles so for example generic labels depersonalize people in in um, in the Nuremberg trials where the Nazis were put on trial for violations against humanity the prosecutors were careful most of those people to use job titles with them instead of to use their names because if you use their names you've personalized them in a way where someone might just might Uh, feel bad for them you know if I if if I call someone Steve and I've just spent time with my friend Steve Taylor then if I meet another Steve I'm gonna have good vibes already associated with that name Steve but if I meet someone and I'm just told that they're you know a a flight engineer then I, I may not have that same good vibe it's just a title it's a descriptor now here's the deal the unconscious mind doesn't really analyze data as much as it experiences these connections and this becomes extremely relevant when we're reading Scripture because these themes and these narratives that that are exploding on us here are themes and narratives that are found within all of Scripture and if we shine the light on the early parts of Scripture and we work all of our way through it we're gonna discover something that's very, very foundationally important, namely this. The Bible was built over time. A couple of weeks ago, I sent uh, my next book to Baylor. It's the whole book. I don't send him a chapter a day, a chapter a day, a chapter a day. I, I send the whole book when it's done. The Bible wasn't published when it was done. It was built over time and because it was built over time association is built into it so the people when Paul is writing about a concept Paul is writing about it with his brain associating those concepts with what already had been in Scripture and in his life and culture this is all part of reading the Bible in context trying to understand what the Bible meant to its original audience before we try to apply it to us today and when we apply it to us today we have to be careful about the associations we make so for example it's really helpful sometimes to read different Bible translations because there may be Two, three, six, ten different ways to translate a word and if we just read one Bible translation that word will associate in our brain with that verse and what it means but if we'll read two three four five six then all of a sudden we've got more words that will do more association in our brain and give us a fuller understanding of the original so does this make sense this is all about better Bible study if we understand the way the brain works we will do better Bible study and the whole idea of a hermeneutic as I'm using it in this class whoops is this idea that you can make better sense of parts of the Bible if you understand it in light of the other associations that are present in Scripture And so as we're probing these major themes and storylines in the Bible it's hopefully building up those words and ideas and concepts and associations so that we better understand them as they've been written so with that here's the substance of this class first I want to get some lessons on sacrifice from obvious passages second I want to get some insights into some less obvious passages and then third we'll finish with points for home so with that let's get started lessons from obvious passages if you were to think of the Bible as this plowed field and in a sense each one of these rows is is another book in the Bible or maybe a a section of a book in the Bible you can go from Genesis to Revelation And what you're, that should be an N. That's Revelation. (laughs) It's cut off a little bit from my PowerPoint lesson learned. Um, Okay, Uh, you can look at all of those books, and what you're going to find is from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is sown with seeds of sacrifice. Sacrifice is just all over it I mean it's over and over and over and over again sometimes it uses the word sacrifice sometimes it uses other language but you will find it over and over again if you go back to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden remember that what is it God told Adam about eating the fruit God told Adam of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you won't eat shouldn't eat for In the day that you eat of it you shall surely die now remember day doesn't mean always 24 hours it means the age the era so it not doesn't say Adam and Eve Adam was going to die within 24 hours of the day that you eat of it you will surely die Adam didn't die yet Oh, you can spiritualize it and say he died spiritually, and there's a truth to that. But this physical death started, but didn't end. So you've got this picture of that, and and you recognize that after Adam and Eve eat the fruit, they get booted out of the garden. But before they get booted out of the garden, look what happens. The Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins, or in the Hebrew, and clothed them. Or in the Hebrew, that means the hide of the animal. That means you have killed the animal. And you have taken the hide from the animal and made clothing out of it doesn't say he took wool from the sheep and wove the wool doesn't say he took a fig leaf and put vine straps around it it says that he made a garment out of an animal that he killed on their behalf to clothe them there is a sacrifice that took place there as death came into the world instead of Adam dying on that day an animal died in his stead if you look up the word sacrifice in Webster's one of the key definitions of it which is an underlying definition for the biblical concept is destruction or surrender of something. For the sake of something else. Destruction or surrender of something for the sake of something else. A wonderful painting by Claude Vernet, a, a French artist at the end of the 1700s, into the 1800s, is this painting of the sacrifice of Cain and Abel. And Vernet's done a beautiful job of having, you see how over here you got uh, 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 Cain. And up above him is darkness. And over here you got Abel who sacrifices an animal instead of grain. And above him you see the sun shining. You've got some light breaking through. God approved one sacrifice, did not approve the other one. And vernet's conveying that in this painting but if you look at it it says in the course of time this is Genesis 4 3 through 5 in the course of time Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground now you might be saying well that was just a cheap offering no offering of the fruit of the ground is a legitimate sacrifice that God will instruct Moses the people need to do and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions The Lord had regard for the offering of Abel, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell, which tells you the disregard is because of the attitude and mindset of Cain. But you got sacrifice there. you you keep going through the stories of the Old Testament Noah you've got the flood after the flood he comes out what does he do Noah builds an altar to the Lord and he took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and he offered burnt offerings on the altar you've got sacrifice you've got Abraham who builds altars and sacrifices to the Lord over and over you've got Isaac you've got Jacob Jacob who says Let's arise and go up to Bethel so I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has gone with me wherever I have gone. He sacrifices to the Lord. You can see when later in life he's got to go into Egypt and he's worried about going into Egypt. It says that at that point, his name's been changed to Israel, but Jacob, Israel, took his journey with all that he had, came to Beersheba, and he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac before he went to Egypt. Sacrifices, sacrifices. They're just built into the narrative over and over and over. Now you get people in Egypt for a couple hundred years, and then Moses is gonna be used by God to pull them out. And what's that seminal event that takes place before they come out? Pesach. Passover. And Passover, God says, I'm going to take the angel of death and I'm going to visit every house and every entity and take death of a firstborn from everyone. But Israel doesn't have to lose a firstborn. I'll take a substitute, an IOU for a firstborn to be born later into the house of Israel. But I'll take a substitute for now, but it needs to be a male lamb that is unblemished, perfect, must be a male. And this male lamb is going to be killed, sacrificed. To stop the angel of death from visiting you and when you sacrifice it you need to take the blood and you need to smear it across the doorframe and the lintel it's the shape of a cross put the blood on the door and everybody that's in there will be safe from the angel of death now Moses takes the people they leave they go to Sinai and the law is explained through God and this law has multiple multiple parts to it that have huge comments about sacrifices the sacrifices uniquely to Israel's law are read over and over and over again you start Leviticus and Leviticus is replete with the sacrifices that Moses lays out there so as these sacrifices are more fully explained they expand upon what has already happened but what has already happened is still important that Passover sacrifice is a singular event that happened one time with that Passover but it was one that was to be remembered annually association by the way so that Israel will always associate that Pesach with the provision of God that rescued them without killing them rescued them from Egypt from slavery and bondage and also from death And that association is to be built into that sacrifice and that's why you've got it and you've got that association with a pure lamb to be sacrificed you've got that association with God redeeming his people you've got that association with God redeeming them from death and that's where the journey to the promised land begins and all of those associations are built into the Passover and every year they're to be taught to the kids You can look at a a, a Jewish Haggadah today and you will still see questions asked. Why do we do this? And the explanation is given. What makes this night different than any other? Those associations would have been so strong in the minds of those who were witnessing Christ and his sacrifice. Now, a lot of the sacrifices in the Old Testament can kind of be divided up into different subjects and I don't have time to get into all of them because there's a boatload of them but I've pulled out a few that are especially easy for us to look at today one is worship and celebration sacrifices so every day actually twice a day in the morning and the evening there would be a burnt offering that was done on the altar by the priests And this burnt offering was to be of the entire animal the whole animal to symbolize that the offering is on behalf of the entire person I'm not off this this substitute for me this sacrifice of one thing for another is of the whole thing because I am supposed to be holy sacrificed and redeemed before God and like I say this is something that happened twice daily I'll go a step further and I'll tell you that this was a huge act of faith because you were looking at a community Uh, how many of y'all have sheep I've got some I'm glad to give you if your homeowners association will let you have sheep you let me know and I'll send Bad, bad, black sheep have a little wool have you any wool over to your house um, those things breed <laughs> but I will tell you this if you go back to the economy of Israel at the time they were a livestock based economy and the most valuable thing in livestock based economy are your breeders those animals which are going to be used to breed other animals and you want to breed the best of your livestock you don't want to take the ram that's got instead of two horns growing out where they're supposed to he's got one growing out his jaw you don't want to take him and breed him you want the best of your livestock to be bred to ensure the best Of your next generations but God said I want the best of your livestock I want you to give me the best and trust me to take care of it for you so there's a huge act of faith if you're going to be doing these sacrifices right so you've got sacrifices of the whole burnt offering you had another sacrifice the grain offering and the grain offering is put out in Leviticus 2. Leviticus 1 had the, the whole animal sacrifice. This was a tribute offering to God. Um, this was the, the indication, this, in Hebrew it's the mencha. This was the indication that God's the true owner of everything. And it's interesting because what they would do is they would bring their tithe, they would bring the grain that they owed to God and the priest would only burn a handful of it on the altar the priest ate the rest sort of how they got paid this is why it's a well-known maxim among people who study this stuff that uh, a holy Israel makes for fat priests people are doing the sacrifices there's lots of food to be eaten the grain offering was a, a regular expression that all that I have is God's you also have a peace offering and the peace offering is talked about in Leviticus chapter 3 now the peace offering is interesting because it was part of this large shared meal that people would have and the goal of the peace offering was kind of twofold it restored peace with God but it also restored fellowship and peace with each other as they gathered around the table And with it came food that was properly fit for a celebration so you've got a peace offering you've got the grain offering you've got the whole burnt offering those aren't the only ones but those were worship and celebration offerings that are easy to read then it shifts in Leviticus 6 or 4 I guess is the next one where they start talking about sin offerings And the sin offering takes up from Leviticus 4 through about 513 this is to address the pollution from sin that is in the community as well as the individual so there would be an offering for the community sin but also an offering for the individual sin and what they would do is they would take the blood from the sacrifice the priest would take the blood and they would sprinkle it they could sprinkle it on the horns of the altar but they could also take it inside and they would sprinkle it inside on the, the tent that separated the holy from the holy of holies. and they sprinkle it on the altar for all the common people. They sprinkle it on that dividing curtain for the priests. And then once a year they'd go inside and sprinkle it on the, the, the uh, tabernacle, on the, I mean the mercy seat. Thank you. But for the high priest. See, the the blood would go as far as the sinner went before God. So you got the blood for the people as far as the people were allowed to go. Or just beyond. You've got each stage along the way. And the blood was a sign, a symbol that cleansing had taken place. By the way, spoiler alert because I'm going to run out of time. Jesus fulfills all these sacrifices I'm giving you. So when you're hearing about this, be thinking, associating in your brain how Jesus fulfills these sacrifices. The blood was a sign that cleansing had occurred. And the people understood this. They made that association. I'll talk about it later, but when Jesus says, this is my blood that's given for you, they know the association as they think through it. And and some of the sin that the blood covered, we look at and think, well, that doesn't make sense. You know, a woman giving birth to to children is unclean and has to have this sin offering. Well, how did she sin by giving birth? Think of it more in the terms of it takes what's abnormal and makes it normal, if that helps. It takes, you know, it's not normal to go through the birthing process with all of the, the things that are a part of that. And for us it's pretty clean and antiseptic uh, especially the husbands because we just stay on one side of the drape and, and and find out it's over when it's over and say breathe and things like that but um, for, for that day and that era it was not a normal everyday event so the blood will take the abnormal and turn it into normal and you've got this sin offering explained through those Leviticus passages then you've got another offering a guilt offering now there's a double meaning to this the guilt offering is in part the guilt that we have before God but it's also um, uh, uh, the guilt that we've got aside from true moral guilt the guilt that we experience emotionally and internally and these sins for the guilt offering are really interesting the guilt offering is for sins that have caused loss to the Lord are lost to another and so you brought the sin offering and with it you brought restitution 20% on top so you've got a guilt offering now you've also got the Day of Atonement which comes about once a year Yom Kippur And the Day of Atonement itself had its own set of sacrifices. You'll read about those in Leviticus 16. But this was an annual requirement. And it's where the high priest got the one visit a year to the Holy of Holies. The high priest and no one else. And so he visits the Holy of Holies and he sprinkles the blood in the Holy of Holies. And he atones for the sins of the people and for him and for the priest all at once now if we're looking at these sins or these sacrifices it's important that we recognize that there were limits even built into the Old Testament I mean it wasn't one sacrifice for all they've got all these different sacrifices but even within all these different sacrifices you've got certain limitations for example there's really no provision in the Old Testament sacrifices for what are called defiant sins the Hebrew reads sins with a high hand defiant sins there's not really any mode of forgiveness for those the sacrifices were not deemed adequate for defiant sins those sins aren't detailed but various rabbis interpreted it to be uh, blasphemy premeditated murder adultery number of other that are just in your face sins and that was a limit of the sacrificial system of the Old Testament another limitation in the Old Testament is it only covered past sins ones that are in your rearview mirror you know your 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 current sins your, your future sins they're not covered so you've got to keep doing these things over and over and over and over and over furthermore these sacrifices required great faith and that's clear not only in Deuteronomy but it's clear in Hosea because the people weren't sacrificing right and without that faith the sacrifices really are useless because it's the faith we find in Scripture later or earlier, if you want to read about Abraham, it's the faith that was being accounted as righteousness. And these were great acts of faith to sacrifice in this way. But if you didn't have the faith and you weren't bringing your best stuff, you were just following a religion. And it wasn't the religion that was purifying you. The blood of a goat doesn't really cover your sins now those are some lessons from the obvious passages let's look at some that are less obvious Old Testament books New Testament books remember I said defiant sins were not covered numbers 1530 throw it up here because some of you that may be new to some of you to understand that Um, 1530 When the person who does anything with a high hand, whether a native or a sojourner, reviles the Lord, that person's cut off from his people because he's despised the word of the Lord. He's broken his commandment. He's utterly cut off. His iniquity's on him. You say, well, what does that say about sacrifice? Whoa, 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 whoa. That's the context this is all in the context of sacrifice the priest will make atonement for the person who makes a mistake when he sins unintentionally to make atonement for him he'll be forgiven you're going to have one law for him who does anything unintentionally for him who's a native to the people of Israel and the stranger who subjorns but for anyone who does it with a high hand that doesn't mean intentionally it's a subcategory of intentionally defiantly the sacrifice isn't there Now you take someone like King David who's responsible for killing Uriah after committing adultery with Bathsheba. I'd call those pretty high-handed sins. And it makes sense if we understand that the sacrifice wasn't there to cover. He didn't just go kill a bull, hit the Day of Atonement and he's fine. He writes Psalm 51 and he says you won't delight in sacrifice or I'd give it. You won't be pleased with burnt offering my only shot is a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart I know you won't despise that God see if we understand the process of sacrifice we understand a little bit more of this passage and what David's saying he's saying I I can't just sacrifice and get this over with these were high-handed defiant sins I committed my only shot as I know God you care about the heart and so if I come to you with a broken heart a broken and contrite heart a broken spirit maybe that you will take instead of my righteousness as a sacrifice in place of if you look at the guilt offering that we talked about these were the sins that have caused loss to the Lord or lost to another this was restitution restoring what it is you cost someone with interest now all of a sudden you get to a passage like Isaiah 53 verse 11 and Isaiah 53 verse 11 takes on a lot of meaning this is the suffering servant part of Isaiah Isaiah 53 out of uh, verse 11 starts kind of with verse 10 it was the will of the Lord to crush him this is the coming one the Messiah he has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt this is a guilt offering soul isn't um, nefesh here isn't being used as some particular part of of some spiritual makeup it's just a reference to the person it's the, the whole entity here when his when basically his life makes an offering of guilt and then he'll see his offspring he'll prolong his God will see his offspring those that come in because of him prolong his day the word of the Lord shall prosper in his hand but all of this comes out of a guilt offering that guilt offering restitution some taking the place to restore the disobedience of Adam and Eve of all of us to to put obedience back to God the way it belongs and that is what Israel was told to expect would happen with the Messiah now Jesus comes in at this point and look what you start seeing in John John makes proclamations. John the Baptist, the next day, he sees Jesus coming to him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And wrapped up in that one sentence is profound association. Not just the Lamb of God, but the Lamb of God that's a sin offering, an atonement. And not for limited sins either. He's an atonement for all of the sins of all of the world not limited in time it's a permanent total absolute forgiveness the Lamb of God who takes away the sins plural doesn't say past sins the sins of the world Wow that's why since well before the Middle Ages even but especially expressed in the Middle Ages the Agnus Dei Latin for the Lamb of God the Agnus Dei is a symbol of Jesus he's the Lamb of God going to sacrifice and he keeps a lifted leg in most of those because he's going voluntarily he's not having to be drug to the sacrifice and the banner is a victory banner that he carries and the victory is capped by the cross all of that's just rich symbolism but that rich symbolism is not just as a sin offering the rich symbolism goes deeper Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice he's fulfilling all of these different sacrifices so Paul can write to the Corinthians and say Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed Christ is the Passover lamb and then you get this sacrificial language from from Jesus When he took bread at the Lord's Supper and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Bread was part of this cereal offering, the grain offering. So Jesus is the grain offering. This is my body given for you, that grain offering that was symbolic of of the fact that God is the owner of everything. God is the source of everything. He is for us. Do this in remembrance of me and then he takes the cup and says this is my blood that's poured out for you that all of that language is associated with all of these Old Testament sacrifices in the history of Israel and the thriving temple sacrifices that were taking place at the time this was unfolding and those limitations that we see in the Old Testament they're gone we don't have time but if you want to do a little past homework go look at Hebrews 9 and 10 those two chapters because Hebrews will talk about how in the Old Testament you had to sacrifice regularly for these sins but Jesus it's once for all in the Old Testament you've got only the high priest who can go in and and approach the Holy of Holies in the New Testament it's everybody because Christ is the high priest who's gone in and he's destroyed the the curtain we now have access everywhere we're now all priests we all get to go through in the priesthood area if you look at the guilt offering it's interesting because the guilt offering was done on the altar that they built for God but there that altar is got a a heavenly equivalent if you will so think about that guilt offering for the sins of the people And remember the Isaiah 6 passage where Isaiah is caught up in the presence of God. And Isaiah's response is, Woe is me. I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. And the response is, One of the seraphim, angel, flew to me having in his hand a burning coal he'd taken with tongs from the altar. This is a scene in the throne room of God. The throne room of God has an altar in it. Something's been sacrificed on the altar in the throne room of God that will clean him. It touched his mouth. Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. A multi-purpose sacrifice that atones for sin, that takes care of the guilt. As we continue to read through the Bible, you'll see that Jesus reigns as a sacrificed Messiah. The pictures of him in Revelation are not pictures of him just with lightning bolts coming and and all the rest. I mean, he's powerful. He's almighty. He's a Pontocrator. Revelation 1-7. But, look at this. Between the throne and the four living creatures among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Jesus reigns. As a sacrificed Messiah. When he'd taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb and said with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Or as Paul said in Philippians 2, God restores him. He had emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men humbled himself to humanity to the point of death and death on a cross therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow those who are in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Yahweh is Lord to the glory of God the Father So we've got insights into less obvious ones but I can't go without points for home and we're running out of time and I'm sorry I didn't have time to expand on this more points for home association our brains make these associations well the association we need to realize when we look through all of these scriptures is that Jesus Christ was always plan A he was never plan B Paul makes it clear in Ephesians that before before the creation of the world God unity God had made the decision Jesus would come and pay the price before the creation of the world now if Christ was always plan a do you know what that means by implication you and me were always plan a God was doing this for you and me and made the decision to do it for you and me before we ever existed and that's why we all need to know our value to God Peter said in first Peter 2 4 you come to him a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious that's you. you say well that's not me yes that's you not with the way I've messed up well of course it's you with the way you messed up if you hadn't messed up you didn't have to die yeah but I really messed up that's good thing you're not living under the limited yeah but I've done the high-handed sins to God that's okay all sins say well Jesus did say all sin but he said all sin except blasphemy of the Holy Spirit what if I did that no blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not hearing the voice of God calling to you because the voice of God calling to you is the Holy Spirit if you deny the Holy Spirit that call into your life yeah that's blasphemy but if you're alive and you'll respond to that call you haven't blasphemed the Holy Spirit every sins forgivable And the forgiveness is one that's total. Well, I don't know about, yes, that's, God did all of this before you came. Uh, Harvey Floyd, my Greek professor, I've told this story many times. You need to know this story. You need to tell this story. It should live on past him. He's now dead. We were in class 42 years ago. One of the students said, uh, hey, Dr. Floyd, you've never told us. Tell us about the day you got saved. He said, oh, I'd love to tell you. It happened 2,000 years ago on a cross outside Jerusalem that's the day we got saved all right let's live like we've been plan A all along let's walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God word association Jesus Christ is the best of the best of the best he is the single male lamb he has no blemish he's the best of the crop he's the best of the flock He is the best of the best of the best and he died for you out of love plan a so let us love as Christ loved us and let's worship as people who've been redeemed by the sacrifice of Christ Hebrews 13 15 says through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice not of animals of praise to God the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name name means what he did so the fruit of our lips acknowledging what God did giving himself on the cross that is the sacrifice of praise we should it should alter the way we worship all right I want to bless you in the name of Jesus but first you get homework assignments you ready for this I want you to consider working what of the biblical themes of Messiah now Dieter in his email to me said hey give us some ideas of how to help plug in Old Testament and New Testament best way I can tell you is just take Messiah try to figure out what the words are And then start looking at them in the Old Testament and in the New Testament don't use chat GPT for this (laughs) they don't get everything right those are algorithms that have been written by people all right let me bless you father in the name of Jesus I ask your blessing on all who hear this message that we will pause in our hustle bustle life to acknowledge your sacrifice for us And to let it wash over us and, and to let it minister that forgiveness you have for us. and let it stop the accusations of the enemy. And I pray that for everyone that hears this message and that it will transform us as we walk in the love that you've got and the forgiveness and the mercy you've got. People will see it oozing out every pore and wonder, why are they so kind and loving and forgiving? And we can tell them it's because of Jesus and sacrifice with praise on our lips in the name of the one who has done it all. Through whom we pray. Amen. Amen. See you guys next Sunday, God willing.